Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Stanley Cup Finals Game 4, Bruins and the Blues in St. Louis. Tied up at two as we go to the third period. Responsibilities in this game. Brought back on by Petrangelo. Fires! Shrugged away. The call from Doc Emmerich on NBC. Second goal of the night for O'Reilly as the Blues add one more and win it 4-2. Series tied up at two apiece as they go back to Boston. Game 5 on Thursday night. A light slate of Major League Baseball from yesterday. The Cubs in a makeup game against the Angels. And welcome to Chicago Cargo. Doing it with his bat and his glove. That's a for Cargo. Baez on his way to third. On the deep right, Gonzalez back on it with Hayward. Oh, my. Made the catch by Gray. What a catch by Gonzalez in his Cub debut. The call from Len Casper on the Cubs TV network. Cubs move to 32-26 and 26 on the season. The Iowa Cubs back in town tonight after a long road trip as they welcome in El Paso. 7-0-8 with the first pitch. It's dollar dog night at Principal Park. It's Championship Tuesday in the Iowa Boys High School State Soccer Tournament. Class 1A title tilt, Iowa City Regina opposite Waterloo Columbus. Class 2A Cedar Rapids Xavier against Lewis Central. And in Class 3A, 5 o'clock, it'll be Waukee against Iowa City West. High school baseball scoreboard in the CIML from last night. It was East, a doubleheader sweep of Lincoln. Dowling Catholic, a 3-1 rain-shortened victory over Ankeny in a top-10 matchup. Johnston sweeps Ankeny Centennial. Valley and Mason City split. Urbandale takes two from Ames. And Waukee with a pair of wins over Fort Dodge. Full slate of baseball today. 6.05, the White Sox are at the Nationals. 6.10, the Twins are in Cleveland to face the Indians. The Cubs welcome in the Rockies. The Cardinals host the Reds. Hear that game right here on 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO on a Tuesday. Glad you're with us. Trent and I with you here until noon hour, as we are each and every Monday through Friday. Tomorrow we'll be live at Principal Park. Sun's supposed to come out. Trent Condon's supposed to be a beautiful day for some day baseball. As you mentioned in your update, the I-Cubs come home uh, tonight for not a long homestand, about a week or so. And uh, Dollar Dog Night. Love that. Get Can't out beat there. it. Cheap dogs. Can't beat a cheap Always dog. a good place to be. You got a couple innings in you tomorrow. You got a busy. I afternoon. do. I have a call middle of the afternoon, but uh, absolutely going to stick around for a couple of innings. And I was hoping we would see Alzale. Yes, I was. But it's Thursday if he stays exact on regular same rest. Same thought that I had. Yes. So I don't know who we'll see, but um, ah, it's baseball. It's outdoor, and it's going to be maybe the best day of the entire week weather-wise. Sun's going to be out in the mid eighties, and uh, uh, Trent and I will broadcast live from there tomorrow, and then be back there on Monday as well as they have another day game. Well, coming up on the program today, we're going to do some NFL. It's kind of disjointed the guest list today. Scott Warman, who I'm looking forward to speaking with. Um, he's our second guest in the program. Not that I don't want to talk to Tad Haslip, don't get me wrong. (laughs) 
you know, we saw that piece yesterday, and we talked off air, and then for whatever reason, never got to it during the show. Um, and it's pursuant to the the NFL, is, as, as you know, is going to be able to challenge pass interference. Mm-hmm. That's going to be part of a, a coach's um, on their list. If that's something that they feel they want looked at, they can. It's been in place in the CFL, which, by the way, begins next week. Oh, it does. I looked at the schedule, the ESPN schedule. But you don't get deep into the CFL. No, I do for two weeks. <laughs> Then you get sick of it? <laughs> yes. No, and then real football comes. And ah, we're talking college sports and our college football. Uh, but yeah, I'll watch it a little bit. Anyway, it'll be part of Claxons as well. Oh, wow. Yes, indeed. Start studying, everybody. You start, you brush up on it. So, um, we start, we, where I'm going on this is, you know, one of the big talking points is, well, when there's a Hail Mary, how in the heck are you going to, you know, officiate that? And, you know, for those people who think, and I'm one of them, think a foul in the first two minutes of a basketball game should be the, should be called in the, if it's college, in the 39th minute. Absolutely. Of the game. Um, and why should that be any difference? A hooking or a slashing penalty in the first period? Why don't they call it in overtime if it's as egregious? Um, so how are they going to call it? It's, 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 I mean, you can literally call it. I know you can call holding on every play. Right, that, right. That's the, the that's old modern. adage. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's literally, give, give me a Hail Mary where uh, everything goes according to plan. There isn't jostling. There isn't pushing. There isn't getting. Every, see, everybody's battling for position. So are we going to see not only, you mentioned the defensive pass interference, but offense? Of course. Well, you would think. That has to be a part mm-hmm. of it, too. How much time are coaches going to invest now in this play that you would figure a, a plays that you don't practice very often and maybe end of practice, you do it a couple of times. How much more do you have to do? How much right. more work does the defense now have to do in this play? It's it's going to be something that they have to uh, that they have to coach. Now, having said that, at least at the end of the game, and I'm pretty sure it's at the end of the first half too. I mean, it's it's out of the coach's hands. Challenge wise, yes. it yep. goes upstairs. I mean, it's the NFL. So, will they be willing to? You know, to stop the play at that point. Anyways, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. I also want to ask him about, you know, from where we sit, um, who does he like of the four teams best? Who has the best chance of our four? I mean, I, I guess the consensus would probably be Kansas City, but your Bears are going to be a pain in the you-know-what. Aaron Rodgers hasn't retired. I still like that Vikings roster. I do, too. I do too. This we're in a great spot for football. Uh, you know, we've had it in the past. Although your Bears haven't held up their end of the bargain, right, yes. but they're there now. They've they've arrived. So it's going to be a wonderful fall for the Big Four uh, here in the NFL. So we'll do that as well. Then Scott Warman, who is the uh, pre and post game host on Fox Sports Midwest. And what a great time to be a Chicago, uh, Chicago, a St. Louis, well, Chicago too. That was blasphemy there. Yeah, St. Louis fans is. did not like to hear that. No, but what a great time to be a fan of sports in the city of St. Louis. Sure, you're still, you know, still resonates a little bit that the Rams went back to where they came from. I get that. You never like to lose a team after you uh, invest in them with your fandom and in a lot of cases with your um discretionary income buying but that up those tickets. But that can't sting quite as much. No, not in this case, because they... They, they went, went home. They went home, exactly. Uh, exactly. So it's kind of like the people in Atlanta. I don't feel real bad for you. You know, my squad went home. Right. Um, but anyways, so we'll talk to Scott about the Cardinals. They're back in action tonight against the Reds. Castillo for the Reds. He's really, really good, as you know. You are a big, big no, fan of him. No, he's terrific, Trent. Buy stock in him. Yeah. Buy stock in him. 
Smeltzer, on the other hand, your guy with the twins, <laughs> another guy. Boy, I must have a lot of money if I'm buying all this stuff. You, you do. Look at you over there flaunting your stock <laughs> portfolio. I like, I like this kid, Trent. His his uh, his debut in the major leagues was a terrific story. Cancer mm-hmm. survivor. Um, and hard not to root for this guy, and it's easier to root for him because he's you know he's in our area, if you will, of uh, of the teams that we follow, and the Twins are um, still have the Dodgers won last night. So do they now percentage wise have the best record in baseball? Win percentage at six eighty nine for the Dodgers, the Twins. 690. Well, so they hang on. You know, once the hockey game was over, that's the game I went to last night. I watched the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. Boy, Walter Bueller's good. Yeah, I saw him. Jesus. Saw him yap, and I was over. ESPN had the Astros Mariners game. Oh, did they? Okay. So that's where I was after the hockey, but we got to go there, don't we? It was terrific, Trent. Uh, And it was as physical a hockey game as I can remember. Um, And it's it's playoff hockey. The Blues last night finished every single check. They really and truly did. They made every single Boston Bruin pay for touching the puck and trying to make a play. Is, Ryan O'Reilly got going. Uh, go ahead. I'm you, sorry. you mentioned the physicality. Is it like football, how you're taught through the, through the ball carrier? That's what you go yes. through them. Is that the same thing in hockey? Because Absolutely, except you got those boards there, not to so you see. <laughs> so they, comes back so they, the right. other way. So whoever's getting uh, uh, blocked or tackled or whatever in football doesn't have. Well, I guess you do in the arena league, but my, they're not going as quick as they are on skates. Clearly, uh, it was physical, Trent. It was unbelievable. Zdeno Chara, one of the big stories. Well, he's a big story every time he takes the ice. He's six nine after all. <laughs> Boy's a big dude. Those guys in general are huge. Yeah, you I, I don't know, think they people are. realize how big. Most right. hockey players are. No, I mean, think, there's still small guys out there, but it, it's it's more conducive now to mm-hmm. you know a five ten guy being able to stick around in the league because that is considered small. Yes, yeah. uh, but last night so physical. Chara taken one right in the mush last night. It went off his own stick as he tried to block a shot with his stick. He has to uh, get special <clears throat> approval. Uh, to have because you and this was never never a problem for me clearly, but if you're there, there's only a certain length of stick that you can have. Okay, in hockey, but if you're over six foot, I don't know what it is. You can apply for petition for to have. Look, I'm six nine. I can't use the stick that these five ten guys are using. Right. I need a longer stick. Well, he's one of those guys that gets one, and it went just straight off. The blade of his stick right into his mouth, and it was nasty. We've seen yeah. a couple of those. Dunn, who's just back now for the uh, uh, for the Blues, he took one. Well, he took one squarely in the face, uh, but this, that was a bad one. And he, when he came back to the bench, he just sat. He wanted to be with his teammates. He never played another shift. They had the mask on him, yep. though. The yep. why in general don't those guys just wear that? Because it's breathing, it fogs up. You're Does not it? used okay. to wearing it. Yeah, I mean, for the now these kids now. Um, face shields. You don't mm-hmm. have to. There, there. If you weren't, if you weren't in the, well, you were in the league prior to, and I don't know the date. So I'll say two thousand five. It's a random number. I could be off ten years. I don't think so. <laughs> but you could. You see some guys wearing face, not having a face yeah. shield, and they're fewer and fewer every year. They're grandfathered in, right? And that used to be the same in the eighties when helmets yes. became mandatory. I remember I think that? Craig yeah. McTavish was the last guy in the NHL to play without a helmet mm-hmm. so it's just it's just what you get used to to, right. to answer your question looks like one of those uh, welders yes. shields yeah um but yeah he didn't come back on the ice last night look good for the blues they needed that one we as hockey fans needed that one especially if you don't have a rooting interest uh you just want to see this series go 
Well, six or seven, uh, in best case scenario, seven. It's going to go six for sure. St. Louis has another game, but this series is on now, man. That was such a good game last night. As entertaining a hockey game as I've seen in a long time. My uh, biggest takeaway, the penalty about halfway through the third okay, uh, on the Blues. Yep. Power play coming, and that penalty kill I thought was really good from the Blues. A couple of po- just poke checks that they had, one that sent it back towards mid-ice. Mm-hmm. That was... Was that um was that on Jay Bowmeister maybe the defenseman I, I think, think it was yes, I think it was yeah. and I felt at that time going into that power play as they went to timeout TV yeah. timeout here we go tie game it was it was already two two I was still two two at that point was I thought the huh. Bruins were going to take the lead there I okay. I texted my Blues buddy fan yes there is one of them that I know. And well, I know two of them you know two mm-hmm. look at that. Wayne Whips and Andy Fails we get, so we got three total look at that. Yeah, you know it's, it's I'm not sure where the Blues. I mean, look, it's hockey. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot. There's not enough of us in the first place. That's but, kind of a part of it, right? It, it, indeed, it is. Uh, but but a terrific game last night. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's uh, let's do this. Let's do the Cubs from yesterday afternoon because John Lester uh, needed a good start. He had not been good in his last three. Boy, he looked like John Lester yesterday, Trent. How many times throughout this year, and seemingly a lot through the last few years with the Cubs, have we had conversations before? A pitcher going the wrong way. I know we've had it before with Quintana, mm-hmm. and then he has bounced back in mm-hmm. a big way. We had it earlier this season with Kyle Hendricks when he yep. got off to a slow start. He did. And right when we were saying, boy, he really needs to show something. It's not just a good start. It's a great start. Seemingly with every single one of these guys, even you, Darvish, this year, where it was almost heading to a point where... It's much, Tyler Chatwood's going to take his place in the rotation. Right. How much longer can he keep throwing right. this guy out there? And now he's been very good for about a month. It just... Every single time with these starting pitchers, when we start to have major questions with them, these guys have answered every single time. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's just internal internal fortitude out of these guys, if it's something with the pitching coach and Madden, whatever it is. But every time these starters have needed a big start, they have come up in a big way. Yeah. No, they have. And Lester was terrific yesterday. Threw 108 pitches, got through seven innings. It's a part of your highlights. Cargo uh, running down that ball yeah. in, in right center was just a spectacular catch, knowing that as, as he's diving to the ground, he's going to slide. Momentum's going to, in all likelihood, carry him into that brick wall that doesn't have a lot of give, after all. Uh, but that was a terrific play, and Lester appreciated But you know what? As good as Lester was, Trent, out of the bullpen, here comes Carl Edwards. And he's been fantastic. Couple more strikeouts yesterday. Twelve pitches, ten of which were strikes. And then Dylan Maples. It is this guy, and he got screwed in St. Louis. By the way, I thought he was the. He probably had the worst call go against him. Um, but just miss call. And then again, as I said yesterday, these just weren't misses on on Cubs pitchers. The Cardinals pitchers had their share of bad, bad, awful calls go against them. But. Dylan Maples yesterday, Trent, they got something here in this kid. And this has always been, yeah, once he figures it out, and he's 27 years of age now, so it's not like, you know, he's only 21, cut him some slack, you'll you'll get things going. He's been trying to figure this out for a while. If he has, I think they got something in this kid. Hasn't given up a run. Made eight appearances up there. I didn't know that. He hasn't given up a run. Hasn't wow. given up or earned run. ERA, zero. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> that would be zero. it. Like Animal House, zero point zero zero. I probably saw that movie forty times. Oh, it's so good. It's really good. I worked at a drive-in theater, kid. So that's oh, I nice. Yeah, I never knew that about you. Yeah, drive-in theater, Blazing Saddles. Oh, that's another great one. Another one, and uh, and Animal House, probably two of the ones I saw the most. Zero point zero zero for Maple. Best part about working at a drive-in, yeah. Uh, show's over. 
<laughs> Gonna see some people hiking up the pants. <clears throat> we move on. <laughs> but I did work. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fogged up work. windows. A lot of fogged up windows. Uh-huh. Yes, indeed. Uh, Anyways, era. yeah, I worked there for a summer and got caught. Uh, I was actually my girlfriend uh, joined. Was parked her car and I was sitting in her car and I got caught. Oh, <laughs> they were looking for me, looking for me, and and I was in one of those cars. Anyways, fogged up windows there. Well, too. I don't know if I don't remember that part okay, about it, but right. anyways. Um, Dylan Maples. Dylan Maples. We digress. He's, he's been great. He has been. And he's, he was good yesterday. Uh, now the, the Rockies come to town. They're playing pretty good baseball right now. Uh, the Reds and the Cardinals collide before the Cardinals and the Cubs do it again this weekend. So that's one of the reasons, a, a number of reasons. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to our buddy um, in St. Louis as we will do Cubs and we will do Cards. So what else is percolating? I mean, the NBA Finals... We'll probably get into more tomorrow, I would guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the the story that broke yesterday that certainly got my attention, well, a couple of things, um, is the fact that Kawhi Leonard, I don't know if there's been confirmation of this. Oh, by the way, if you're a Nick Nurse fan, <laughs> there's a story in the Toronto Sun, a long story. Steve Simmons is the writer. And, I mean, I'm guessing you don't, you folks don't go to torontosun.com Not and often. use up your five free articles during the month. So, uh so if you're if you're a Nick Nurse fan or you like this story and you want to know more about him, it is a fantastic read on on Nick Nurse in uh, in today's edition of the Toronto Sun. But the fact that Kawhi Leonard allegedly, apparently, maybe, hopefully, actually purchased a condo in Toronto within the last few days. Now you can't sell those, right? No, once you buy them, you have to stay there and live there, Trent. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this sounds like a Rick Majerus. I saw him at High V over in Iowa City kind of story. God, I worked with a guy that used to tell a lot of those uh-huh, stories. Uh-huh. So did you? Yes, yes, we and did. For some whatever reason, you never get looped into it. It's uh, a great, a great place to be. <laughs> I no guess doubt. it is. <laughs> but uh, are you? That makes you excited. That makes you. I'm not a Raptors. Although maybe I'm becoming one a little yeah, bit. I, I just think like you are. the story, right? Yeah. I love the. We root for stories here, and the local angle makes it. Yeah, with Nick Nurse, it makes it a lot easier to talk to Ronald Raptor. Yeah. Do you know, and I told you this, uh, just what the, what the ratings are doing to the Stanley Cup finals. They're beating it. I mean, NBA basketball is beating the Stanley Cup finals. In Canada. In Canada. That's what I mean, right? But this came out yesterday and this blew me away. Do you know what's referred to? And you, I don't know why I would even ask this question of you because I don't expect you to know. Do you know what's referred to as Canada's national drunk? Canada's national national drunk. drunk is what is so it's not Otis from Andy no Griffin. no no it's not a person oh okay what event is no <laughs> well, let me see it's a big country I'm going to say some guy in Saskatchewan yeah uh, right right Rick no no um, what's Canada's national drunk national drunk Oktoberfest no the Grey Cup the Grey Cup that's the Super Bowl of this of the CFL. It's, they play for the Grey Cup. And it is a closest thing to a holiday on a non-holiday is the cup. And that's what it's for. I mean, I'm guessing if you Googled Canada's national drunk right mm-hmm. now, you would come up to a link on the Grey Cup. Really? But anyways, so last year, the Grey Cup did whatever it normally does for a number of millions of people watching it. Game two, Sunday night, NBA playoffs had more people watching that game than watched the Grey Cup, which is the Super Bowl of that country. I just found out here that the national drink 
Well, not about the national drink. It's got to be beer. No, it's a bloody Caesar. Oh, Caesar. Yes, yeah, like a Bloody Mary, only it's with Clamato juice. It is. Yeah. Sounds disgusting. It's not bad. Clamato juice and beer isn't bad. Drank a ton of it when I was a kid. I don't like Bloody Marys either, though. Yeah, so. I'm not a, uh, not a fan. No, a drunk. So don't put in... Uh, I, I put drunk and nothing came up. All right. Well, But, but, but um, I believe you. Yeah, you should. I mean, it used to be. Now, I haven't lived there in 30 years. So, anyways. Um, but, but think about that. A game, a basketball game, beat the Grey Cup. As far as number of people, number of Canadians watching that last night. So with they're this, into this. This would be like I don't know, maybe some kind of soccer. Yeah, out, out rating the Super Bowl. That's okay. a World Cup. Yes, but you only can have one soccer team in the country. What if if the U.S. men's national team was playing for, for the World Cup championship on the same day as the Super Bowl? What would have the better ratings? Well, the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. But you would think, right? You no, would I, think. I, right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to equate it in some way here. It's nearly impossible, though. It just, it's a completely it's, it's different It's hard to level. find that, indeed. We'll take a time out. We're going to come back. We're going to talk NFL. Tad Haslip is going to join us. He's uh, one of their editors at the, uh, at the Sporting News. Uh, we'll do that with, uh, with Tad. And then we're going to talk to Scott Warman, Fox Sports Midwest. We'll do cards. We'll do blues. Uh, and then Zubin Mahente, a lot more on the NBA with Zubin. I just got a text. You are a Raptors fan. Uh, okay, guilty. You're getting there. I'm, I'm getting there. No, nope, I'm not no more buy any gear. for you. I think it's the Nick Nurse factor. Yeah, it that is helps for sure. A lot. Yeah. It helps a ton. It helps a ton. And the fact that you know I'm really rooting for Kawhi to uh, to sign there and stay there long term. We'll take a timeout. NFL conversation. Then St. Louis sports conversation. Trent and I are with you until noon. We're glad you're with us. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Time to talk a little NFL. Maybe the players... And the league are starting to discuss the collective bargaining agreement that expires after the 2020 season. I saw Roger Goodell came out, uh, and this is the first time I'd heard that from uh, from his lips. And that Tad uh, Haslip from the Sporting News joins us to discuss this and more. Tad Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Um, Roger Goodell, I've never heard him say that he believes uh, that four preseason games are not necessary. It tells me that maybe they're starting to think of or, or put back on the table the expansion of the regular season. How are you, Tad? Do you see it that way? I'm doing well, and then thanks for having me having me on, guys. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a conversation that's been happening for years, kind of behind the scenes. So I think he kind of hit the nail on the head there. The fact that he's going public with this is a sign that hey, you know, if you haven't been thinking about this prior to now, you need to be because. Come 2020, when these negotiations happen, this is going to be a big deal. This is going to be something uh, that the owners are pushing for, the expansion of the regular season. Obviously, the NFL Players Association does not want that. Uh, They do not want a longer season. If they had their choice, they would probably have a shorter season. Um, And, and of course, nobody really likes preseason football. So that's that's probably like the common theme is is you'll see is that everyone's probably going to push for a shorter preseason schedule. The question is, do you expand the regular season to 17 games, or excuse me, 17 weeks, or 18 games, whatever it is, um, that that's going to be the big sticking point because the players are going to push back really hard on that. And by the way, that's just like one of many, many things sure. uh, that's going to need to be addressed in this next CBA. So it's going to be messy. That's why you have the NFLPA warning players to, to save money. 
Um, we all know when these negotiations happen, uh, there's a huge advantage huge advantage to the owners because there are 32 of them compared to hundreds mm-hmm. of players, so it's a lot easier for them to be on the same page. So players are always at a disadvantage here. That's why they usually come out of these things looking like they lost. Um, but the players are going to have to prioritize these things, and if they think schedule is one of them, you know, maybe they can kind of stick to their guns on that one. You know, Tal, let me follow up on that then. Where do you think medical marijuana is going to rank on the players' list of wants in this thing? Of course, we now know there's more and more states, Nevada, uh, California, Colorado, Illinois, starting January 1st of 2020. Um, they say, uh, the players say that, that it helps them, you know, get over some injuries. Um, where, do you, where do you think that's going to rank? Because that is clearly going to be talked about. Yeah, I think it's. I think this is a big thing for the players. However, with that said, you know, it, I wonder how much of a priority it needs to be in the actual negotiations. And the reason I say that, if you heard what Chris Long said right after his retirement, basically, it's it's super easy to beat the system, right? Yeah. If you're not if you're not in the program, if you haven't gotten busted before, they basically test you one time a year. So NFL players know that, and Chris wasn't willing to put a number on how many players in the league use marijuana, but he suggested that it's the majority, uh, which doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, So because of that, because a lot of players know they can get around it anyway, if the league wanted to bust more players, they could do it more often. The league already is is pretty lax on that. It's not until a player is actually in the program and gets busted that they they really go down hard on them. So because of that, I I think the players, look, look, the league, I think, knows in the back of their minds that it is a, a better solution as opposed uh, to prescription drugs or something like that. So it's going to be a thing. It's just I don't know, considering all the other things the players are worried about, and because there are already some loopholes and they can get around it, I don't know how much of a big deal it'll be for the actual negotiations. Fair point. Tad, you touched on the Players Association and warning their guys, hey, start to save some money. A lockout could be looming. seemed like maybe there's a little bit of backtracking from that, but how how upfront do you think the Players Association needs to be and are we looking at some kind of work stoppage? If you had to put a bet on it, would you believe we'll see some type of work stoppage coming up after this deal is done? Yeah, I think we will. Oh. I think just because of the, the nature of it, I think we will. Now, how long it's going to be, I have no earthly idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's kind of how these things go. And, and really, like the only reason the Players Association is saying that is because they, they want all the players to be on the same page, and they know that that's kind of impossible. They know that a, a lot of these guys either can't or don't save the money, and they need to work, and therefore they can't band together and actually, you know, create that lockout type of situation. So it, it's it's going to be interesting, Trent. I mean, I, I I predict yes, there will be some sort of stoppage. I I have a feeling that because of the the inability for the players to come together, you know, as a unified you know structure, it's probably going to be shorter than a lot of people are fearing, um, which I guess is a good thing for the fans, but it's a bad thing for the players because that's how these things always work out. Hmm. Tad, handicap this one for us. We uh, here in Des Moines, you know, I, it's not 25-25-25-25, but it's pretty darn close as far as the Packers, the Vikings, the uh, Bears, and the Chiefs fandom-wise. Of those four teams, who has the best chance to go the furthest in this thing? Oh, my goodness, that's a great question. You know, it's like you're so tempted to say the Chiefs, um, and it's a lazy reason because you want to just say because they have Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's – but, you know, then you look at the Packers and they have Aaron Rodgers, and you can use the exact same argument. I think if you look at what all these teams have done in the offseason, in my mind, no question the Packers are the team that have improved the most. I would argue Kansas City has actually lost 
uh, the most out of all those teams. So, man, if you're split 25 between the four of those, I can totally understand why. I would, I, I think, because you have the the question mark that is a new coaching staff in Green Bay, I, I think you have to knock them a little bit. Okay. Now, granted, you also have the possibility uh, that that offense can be amazing, and because of what they've done on defense, I still think it's fair to question whether you know Aaron Rodgers has enough receivers around him to do what they want to do on offense. But the running game, presumed health with Aaron Jones, uh, should be better. Kansas City, you have an established coaching staff. Chicago, you have the established coaching staff. So I would go with one of those teams, and I'll probably go with Chicago. I just think the roster is in a better place right now, top to bottom, everything, if you include all positions, offense, defense, because the Chiefs, they lost some guys. You know, you have the question with Tyreek Hill going into the season. There's just a little bit more question marks there. So, I like like I said, it's really hard. I would lean Chicago, but only because of those small things that are pushing me in that direction. Not sold on Kurt Cousins, huh? No, I mean, he's fine. He, I think at this point we know who Kirk Cousins yeah. is, right? I mean, he, he's, he's going to be a, a solid player. He's, he's not the kind of guy that you can rely upon like you can a Rodgers or a, mm-hmm. or a um, Mahomes, and he's never going to be that person. But, again, the Vikings have a solid roster. They still have a good defense. Mike Zimmer has a great coaching staff under, and that's another solid team. But for the – you know, I just I look at Chicago's roster, and I see the star power they have specifically on defense, and I think that that's just a better constructed team right now. Ted, Ken's got a good question uh, about Hail Mary and the new rule changes. But before we get to that to finish up our goofy conversation, Ted and I, for people that haven't heard us throughout the years, we're both big fans of uniforms. We uh, consider ourselves uniform czars. So the Jets have new uniforms. That's point one. I want to get your thoughts on the new unis for the Jets. Part two, there's a leak, a possible throwback for those Chicago Bears we talked about a little bit earlier. Have you seen them, and do you believe those will be the Bears' throwbacks for 2019? I have not seen these, so I'm assuming it leaks from the last few days. Right? Yes, I will send it to you uh, right after we finish up. Okay. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. So I can't speak on that yet, but I'm optimistic because the Bears have great colors, and mm-hmm. and hopefully they didn't screw it up, but we will see. As far as the Jets, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I actually like them. Now, part of that is because I hated the Jets' previous look that they had used for 20 years. It was a throwback to the Joe Namath days. I was just so tired of that look. I thought it was boring. I thought it was bland. This new look, granted, is a little bit generic. I understand that with the striping. But the return to what they're calling Gotham Green, I thought was amazing. I normally don't like when teams incorporate black unnecessarily to their color scheme. But because the Jets are going to have an all-black alternate uniform, that green helmet with the black face mask paired with that all-black uniform is going to look awesome. I also like the fact that they have three pant color combinations, three jersey color combinations. They can mix and match a lot to create different looks and, you know, create contrast with the team they're playing against. I like all of that. So I understand why some people think, hey, you look like the Marshall Thundering Herd or they think it's some sort of generic uniform. I get it. Yeah, I, I kind of had the same reaction, but it's such a big improvement of what they had, and it's a modern look. Overall, I really like it. And seeing Le'Veon Bell in the uniform yesterday was nice to actually see it, you know, on a player. I know they had modeled the uniforms before, but seeing a video with them, and it was pretty cool, and I, I think it looks really good. Tad, we have one minute left. So my, my question is, is once we get to, you know, inside two minutes and it's uh, at the end of the game, it's Hail Mary time, and you know what it's like. There's offensive pass interference, defensive pass interference. The, the challenge will be out of the coach's hand at that point, but the point is that they can now challenge pass interference. How will the booth look at Hail Mary pass interference on both sides of the football going forward? <laughs> it's going to be a complete disaster. Put it that way. And then that's kind of been my opinion about this whole pass interference thing in general. 
um, it's going to be a disaster. Look, when, when we allow the league, um, specifically the competition committee, to, to basically create rules on the fly, which they now have the ability to do, um, it, it's going to be a mess. And, and just because we're able to review things, it doesn't make it better either. Just when, when the league is defining specific things like pass interference or, say, a catch, it goes poorly. We think, oh, the more rules, the better. But then everything starts going by the letter of the law, and then Al Riveron is interpreting it via letter of the law, and it just makes everyone even more unhappy because it gets more confusing. So specifically with pass interference on Hail Marys, the, the league is kind of taking a stance, well, hey, we, it, we're very much relaxed on pass interference when it comes to Hail Marys. Well, how do you define a Hail Mary? That, in theory, should be easy. You know it when you see it, but you also know a catch when you see it, and that was a total mess, too. <laughs> I just don't trust the league to be able to define these things and actually interpret them in a way that's going to make everyone happy. It's going to be even worse, uh, I'm afraid. Tad, thank you for coming on. Enjoy the conversation. Appreciate it. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you. Tad Haslip uh, from uh, the Sporting News. We talk a little NFL. All right, looking forward to this next piece as well. Scott Warman, Fox Sports Midwest. Thank you in advance to Mike Mahon, uh, who facilitated this conversation. We're going to talk Cardinals. We're going to talk Blues, St. Louis, place to be, sports fans, this past three or four days. More on that coming up next. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And as promised, the beginning of the show, real timely guests coming up with the Blues evening their series last night at two apiece before the scene shifts back to Boston uh, for game number five with the Cardinals sweeping the Cubs. And those two teams will collide once again this weekend at Wrigley Field. Just a perfect guest. Scott Warman, uh, Fox Sports Midwest. You see him on the pre and post for the Blues and the Cardinals. If you're a fan of Missouri Valley basketball, you see him throughout the weekend uh, in St. Louis at that outstanding tournament. Scott, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, yeah, I guess let's start with the uh, the latest, always the greatest. We'll do the cards in in a few minutes. But the Blues last night, boys, you know, for my eyes, they finished every single check that they possibly could. That was a physical, physical hockey game, um, as well as getting some big contributions. Uh, but the physicality of that game, not lost on anybody, Scott. No, it, it really hasn't, Ken. In fact, it's been like that pretty much throughout this series. And that's pretty much been the M.O. of the Blues. And, you know, we've talked about it a lot uh, in our shows is the fact that if you look at each and every one of the series, the three of them leading up to the, the Stanley Cup final here, uh, the Blues have really used the body a lot wow. and have worn down some teams. You look at the end of the Winnipeg series, they were... Do I have just, to, Scott? I'm born and raised there, and that's my team. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, they, well, then you know. They, yes, they I do. Down. Uh, yep. Same thing happened in Dallas. It, was, it took two overtimes, an amazing goal by the hometown boy and, and Pat Maroon really against was. the hometown boy that was in goal for Dallas and Ben Bishop. But it, it was a complete commanding performance by the Blues over Dallas. And again, the same thing happened to the San Jose Sharks. Now, Boston is a very physical team, too, and they can throw their body around as well. We'll see what happens here as this series goes later and later. It's going to go, as we know now, at least six. I'm not surprised if it goes seven games because these two teams are so terrific. I think the big key guys in this whole situation now, especially if you're a Boston Bruins fan, is you have to be concerned about Zdeno Chara. He's a huge part of their defense. They've already lost one defenseman, 
and he took that puck in the mouth. He came back as a captain and a leader, but never had a shift in that third period, and and that's that could be a big big loss for the Boston Bruins. No question about it. Literally and physically, and uh, physically, because he's so he's so good and he's so big. He's six foot nine, as you mentioned. You know, was there some criticism on Ryan O'Reilly going into that game last night because, boy, he responded in a big way. He's such a great acquisition coming over from the Sabres. couple of goals last night. Uh, he really had it going on. He really did, and he has been uh, such an incredible addition to this hockey team. You talk about a guy that you know is one of your elite players, and we've seen this, guys, literally from the first day of training camp. He's literally the first one on the ice, and when they finish up practice, He's still there 10, 15, 20, even 30 minutes after a practice, and he's working with the young guys. You couldn't ask for a better leader, especially with some of your young people. He's sitting there taking face-offs, showing those guys the ropes, showing them some of the tricks, and he's had he, by far the MVP of, of the regular season. There's no doubt about it. Seemed to kind of take a step back, if you will, I think through at least a couple of these series, but I'll tell you what, we were actually talking about it during our post-game show last night. We've mentioned it actually a couple times during the Stanley Cup Finals, guys, the fact that O'Reilly seemed to have found another gear, and I think he's really picked his game up, especially in these finals. And you know, we, we mentioned this last night on the post-game show, too, is when, when Buffalo Sabres came into town early this year back in November, Buffalo was really rolling at that time. And at that time, the Blues were you know, just scraping the barrel, so to speak. I mean, they were really, really struggling. And he caught criticism from from the Buffalo news media, and they were saying, "Oh, yeah, we know Ryan O'Reilly gives 110 percent, but brings the team down." And I just didn't think it was very constructive criticism, to be quite honest, because we had seen what he had done, and you know, with these young kids and everything, and and obviously that didn't pay off the constructive criticism, or I should say, just the criticism from the Buffalo media uh, that at that time back in November. And, now I, I think there might be eating a little bit of goals. Yeah, ROR got those. Think about this. He not only got two goals, he came very close from getting that shorthanded goal, mm-hmm. too, off a of Tuka Rask as well. I don't know how it didn't go in. It really didn't. <laughs> hey, Scott Trent here. Thanks for joining us today. You know, I, I wanted to get your perspective, just St. Louis as a whole. Blues' first Stanley Cup since those first three runs uh, as an expansion team way back in the late 60s into the early 70s. What the Blues mean to the city and the environment – Boy, at least on television, it seems incredible there in St. Louis. It is. I, I, honestly, guys, so we, we have a stage outside for our post game just mm-hmm. next to NBC and NHL Network and NBC Sports Boston. And, and my ears, literally, I'm not <laughs> lying, are still ringing this morning because I have my earphones, my AFDs up, and I still was having a difficult time hearing my producer. I mean, and that was just after a Game 4 win. It, it's gone absolutely bonkers. I mean, the city is just turned over for this hockey team, and it, I, I tell people, especially the younger people that I work with, I said there was a time in my life where the Blues were actually more popular than the ever popular Cardinals, and that was in the early 90s. He had what eventually became a changeover in ownership at the time. The Cardinals weren't very good. That's when Brett Hall was here in town. And, mm-hmm. and Brett Hall, I tell these young people, he and Adam Oates, they created magic. They would lead SportsCenter off. Yeah. The, the t- I can remember watching the beginning of SportsCenter on ESPN and Hall and Oates making magic mm-hmm. again or whatever you know phrase that Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann would use. And so this is the second time I've seen in my lifetime where the Blues have actually catapulted over the Cardinals as far as popularity. But just to add a little bit more to it, it, again, one who's lived here my whole life is the fact that 
there's still a, a stain, a bitterness from a lot of fandom and just a lot of people regionally here about what happened with the National Football League and the Rams. Sure. I, I think everybody still feels slighted, especially when uh, the NFL, along with Stan Kroenke, said, oh, this isn't a sports town. This is just a baseball town. And I think this proves that, along with the PGA Championship last year, that this is more than just a hockey or just a baseball town, even though we've all known that. But it was the national perception that was thrown out uh, by the league and, and by that particular organization, which, you know, obviously we're, we're you guys are proud of Des Moines and you're proud of Drake and everything that's Iowa. You know, we're the same thing here. We're proud of, you know, St. Louis and our Cardinals. And we were proud that, you know, we supported the Rams as bad as they were for, you know, a long period of time. And we felt that we got wrong. So this is kind of making right of a wrong of how we felt we have been shamed from a national standpoint as a fan and as a sports city. Because I, I know this, we are sports is sports in this city is kind of like what actors and actresses are in Los Angeles. Mm. I mean, they, they are put on such a pedestal. Adam Wainwright, Yadi and Molina, huge hockey fans. They were there last night. Every time they show Yadi and Adam at a blues game, the place just goes absolutely bonkers. And so I think that is also part of not showing a perception, but showing the world that, yeah, we are a great city. We are a great sports city. We are a great hockey city. And one other thing to back that up, Trevor, is the fact that our trend is the fact that three summers ago, there was a draft in the National Hockey League, and there were five players from the city of St. Louis that were taken in the first round of the NHL draft. And I think that woke up a lot of eyes and said, you know what? Hockey is very serious in the city of St. Louis, and it really is. I mean, it is a hotbed, and it's all really thanks to Brett Hall. When Brett Hall was first started out, there were just a few rinks, and you're barely packing the arena, the old arena, the old barn here in St. Louis. Now you have rinks just cluttered all over the city of St. Louis, and kids are going to play. And I can't even imagine. In fact, Jamie Rivers, who is with me during the playoffs uh, as my analyst on our, on our shows, you know, Jamie, you know, he teaches a lot of camps and classes of hockey in St. Louis. And and Jamie told me the other day, he goes, Scotty, we have so many more kids already in camp just this summer for what the Blues have done up to this point. He goes, I can't even imagine how this is going to carry forward, but it's great for all the hockey people here in St. Louis. No doubt about it. Scott Warman, uh, Fox Sports Midwest, is our guest. Uh, You're 100% right. Gretzky was there, of course. Uh, Keith Kachuk and Matthew Kachuk and now the other son, Brady's, with the the, the Senators, and Matthew Kachuk's a star in Calgary. Well, let's talk talk about those Cardinals and the Cubs. The Cubs swept them in the beginning of the May. The Cardinals returned Turned the favor this past weekend. Three incredibly well-pitched games, Scott, by both sides, quite honestly. Take me to what I'm referring to as the Colton Wan game on, on Sunday because he was unbelievable <laughs> in that game. But so was Adam Wainwright, and I don't want to yep. overshadow that at all. As you think back to that eighth inning, as it's unfolding, you're thinking, what are they doing? Come get this uh-huh. guy. He's at 115. Yeah. Now he's at 120. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's, he just set a career high for the number of pitches. What a gutsy performance out of the old oh. warhorse, Adam Wainwright. Uh, it was unreal. Uh, and you, you, you read our minds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, especially when you get back, okay, you Schwarber, all right, that's fine. You know, Schwarber's struggling, obviously. But then you get the Bryant, you get the Rizzo, the two big dogs. Yeah. Now, Bryant has struggled even in his career against St. Louis. So maybe go, okay, so there's Wayno, elevates the fastball, gets the punch out, but Rizzo is just a cardinal killer. And you're going, he's at 120 pitches. I mean, God bless Adam Wainwright, but 
he's 37. He's not 30 anymore, you know. But Mike Schilt even said, the Cards manager, after the game, he goes, hey, I listen to my guy and I have faith in him. And I know Adam Wainwright said after the game that he appreciated so much that, you know, Mike Schilt believed in him and letting him do that. But as you mentioned, thanks to Colt Wong's amazing catch, they got out of that inning and uh, preserved the eight innings work for, for Adam Wainwright. Uh, it was a sensational performance in this turnaround, at least for four games after a miserable May. I mean, it was a miserable May for the Cardinals, uh, has obviously turned the tide for this team, and they've gotten a little bit of a momentum, if you will, with the Reds coming in town this week, and then, of course, the Cards and Cubs next weekend up in the north side of Chicago. They, they, they need a little bit of mojo, and they need a little bit of chump, and really, Ken, to think about it, if you look at the last four games that they've won, they've got terrific starting pitching. Yeah. And I think that's really where it starts because that's where the Cardinals' struggles were at least the beginning of the season. Paul Goldschmidt doing what you'd anticipate out of him. He's putting together another nice season. Marcelo Zuna in his second year. You know, It wasn't the 37 homers that he had the year previous in Miami, but you know, last season it seemed like there was some vitriol. And even with the number he's putting up again this year, I see a lot of that. Now, it might be because it's Twitter and it's just an angry place in general, but (laughs) what is it about Marcelo Zuna? Seemingly every time I flip on a Cards game, it seems like he's doing big things, but the fan base, I don't know. I see a lot of negatives there. What do you think that is? Um, It's a great question, and I I would say I, I I think the frustrating part, if I can read some of the minds there, is the fact that, you know, he came in injured. He had the, the bump shoulder, and last year he didn't produce as expected, at least when you look at the power numbers, the extra base that's the home runs, the RBIs. He actually had the average up, but he was only hitting singles, and we all saw how he could barely throw a baseball. It was pretty scary. So that led to more frustration, and then the Cardinals didn't actually hear from him after he was told to have surgery after the season mm. until right before camp started at down in Jupiter in February. And things started out slow, but I'll tell you what, I don't know how anybody really can complain. You can tell, and Marcel has admitted that, hey, I'm not 100%, but you can tell his arm is so much better than it's been since he's first been first with the Cardinals, you know, playing left field. But the power numbers are ridiculous, guys. We were adding it up. I mean, he's on pace right now to maybe have as many as 150 RBIs. I mean, that's better than, you know, he was considered an MVP a couple of years ago in his last year with, with the Miami Marlins. So I don't think you can complain at all as far as Marcelo Ozuna is concerned. Paul Goldschmidt has hit a couple of bumps along the way, but for the most part, guys, Paul Goldschmidt um, is everything is, is advertised and, you know, we were looking at this also the other day. He was he was off to a terrible start last year in April and especially in May. And then all of a sudden, he really essentially carried the Diamondbacks for several months last year to get them within a striking distance of, of the National League West, kind of like what Matt Carpenter did for the Cardinals last year. So I don't think a lot of people are really worried about Paul Goldschmidt because he brings so many different variables to the game, and especially when you see him play first base. I mean, He's as good of a first baseman I've seen for the Cardinals in, in, in many, many years. Scott Warman, Fox Sports Midwest. Scott, thank you so much for doing this. It's a wonderful time to be a fan of St. Louis sports, Cardinals, and the Blues. Uh, terrific time. Uh, thank you. We will, um, I'm sure, be in your caller ID at some point in the months to come. So thank you again, Scott. Appreciate getting to know you.
Anytime. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Scott Warman, Fox Sports Midwest, as he joins us here as we run out of our Trent Condon. Yeah, peace. Little little assist there from Mike Mahon, right? Yes, our buddy Mike Mahon, who was uh, formerly the SID at Drake during the uh, during the run, Mm -hmm. um, and is still doing. He does a lot of stuff and stays in contact, and uh, he's a good guy. And thank you for facilitating that. Of course, Scott took Pat Paris's job. Yes, whose job was taken by? I don't know. You've told me before, and I can't remember. He sits in this chair from two to four. Keith Murphy. Keith Murphy. Wow. Yeah, he was, it was Pat Parris, sports director at. Uh, I don't think I'm missing anybody, am I? No, Silvestrini. Uh huh. To Pat Parris, to Keith Murphy. Two. Who takes over the chair when Keith hangs it up? <sighs> Sears. Sears. I think you're right. Yes, I, and I think he'll wait for it. Yes, I think. And I don't know how long that's going to be. Look, Keith still keeps winning awards. <laughs> right? Why would you walk away? Right. Uh, and good for him. Yes. He's incredibly talented. We've got to take a time out. The 11 o'clock hour is coming up next. Subin Mahente, 1120. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.